You're listening to a bonus episode of The Dairy Age, featuring Chagisk's weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also available as a podcast. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you're very welcome to our Let's Talk uh, Dairy podcast again. Uh, I'm joined by Dennis Brazel. Uh, Dennis, for his sins, is a carrying man, but we won't hold that against him. And Thanks, what's worse, what's worse, he's actually working as an advisor down in Kerry. Where are you? Where are you farming? Uh, or sorry, where are you advising, Dennis? What part of Kerry are you advising in? Yeah, so I advise uh, in the Castle Island area, uh, George. So I'm based in the Chile office here in in Kerry, uh, and I cover the Castle Island area. So kind of a eight nine mile radius around Castle Island uh, covers the vast majority of my area. Okay. So how how would you describe the land land type over that country? Is it really good or is it mixed or what's it like? Sure, everything's good in Kerry, George. <laughs> Um, yeah, so look, uh, we, we would describe ourselves as being a high rainfall area. Um, we have a mix of land. So we have limestone land underneath, by, by yeah. and large, down the valleys. And then as you go up into the higher ground, we have pencil-type soils, which are quite shallow. But because they're high up and we're, we're southwest and we get a lot of rainfall, they can get wet quick. Um, so spring and autumn um, have different kind of management to what maybe the... the um, the, the normal um, advice would be. Um, and then we have uh, high clay content in, in our soils as well, George. So um, that makes things sticky. sticky. Yeah. 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 Very good. Yeah. So look at rainfall. You were saying high rainfall. What kind of millimeters are you talking about? Uh, four, 14 to 1500 mils, George, um, depending on, on where exactly you are in, in the area. Yeah. Okay, and like like everything else in Kerry, does, Kerry has his own twist on it. They uh, do things slightly differently. So what we'll do now is we'll move in and talk a bit about the calving patterns down in Kerry. Can we hear what's going on down there? Yeah, so you, you're laughing at me, George. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we do th- we do do things a little bit differently, George. Um, so because because in a normal year um, we get a lot of rainfall, high rainfall, right? So uh, our calving patterns are slightly different, um, and um, this this predates me and Kerry, so it's it's not my fault. And and it's it's guys really being smart about how they match calving pattern to being able to access grass, right? Yeah. So um I a lot of my guys won't start calving until the the eighth of March or the eighth the eighth of February, sorry. Um yeah. and uh I I have guys who calve uh from the fifteenth of February. Now look with with the way breeding has gone and with short gestation bulls and high EBI, um they will all have calves on the ground five, six days before their 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 start yeah. date. Okay. Um. But but the the plan, like uh, all these farmers will say to me, George, um, it's not about when I start; it's about how compact I do it. So these guys are still yeah. aiming to have a median calving date of late February, the last week of February. So that's okay. a a lot of pressure, a lot of cows calving down in a short space of time. Okay. Okay. So a lot a lot goes on in carrying the second half of February. Is what you're telling me. Yeah, it's easy, you... to talk to guys, easy talk to guys today. Uh, they, they don't want to spend too long on the phone. <laughs> all, all your clients then, Dennis, are spin calving, are they? Any winterbake people out there? Uh, I have a few, George. Yeah, uh, they would be more guys who are, who are supplying Lee Strand as opposed to supplying Kerry. Yeah, but majority were Kerry people. Yeah, Kerry vast majority would be Kerry and, and, okay. and spring calving. So look, you've had a, a brilliant spring. Uh, grass, is starting to, grass is starting to be grazed off at this stage. How how is composition going? Or I see you, you were telling me milk yield mightn't be you mightn't be sure milk yield because you only yeah it's very hard to get a handle on on, on milk mm. yield given given that there's probably six seven cows being added to the tank every day, 
Um, so, um, like we were just we were just talking about it earlier before we came on. Um, I looked at some of the groups yesterday. I had a group yesterday, George. Uh, Butterfat was 465. Protein was yeah. 367. I looked at another group this morning just to, to, to see how that was there at 480 Butterfat. Um, and proteins of 378, I think, uh, yeah. was the average. So uh, there's probably more uh, crossbred in that second group than there is in the first group. Um, and look, again, it is early days in lactation. So... Um, okay. those figures will probably drop now as as uh, cows get going. Okay. Tell us about grazing then. What's typically grazed and what's being grazed this year? Uh, as a yeah, so so you heard John outline the, 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 the typical spring grazing planner, right? So again, in Kerry, we are a little bit different because our calving pattern is a bit different. So what we do, George, is we adjust it depending on what our... So I'll, I'll give you kind of two ideas of what, what we do. So the guys on the dryer farms... Um, will be calving maybe the, the 8th of February. So our aim is to have 30% grazed on those farms on the 7th of March. Um, we're a week later again with the 65%, like John said, he's aiming for, for Paddy's Day. We're aiming for 24th of March. And then we're aiming for starting second rotation 10th to 12th of, of April on the drier ones. On the heavier farms then, we're a little bit back from that. But this year has been exceptional because of, of the dry weather in February. Um, so even those farms who would normally have maybe 1% or 2% normally grazed are up on, on 10, 12, 14% graze currently. Yeah. So um, they're, and again, look, what they're doing is they're adjusting the plan based on the year that's in front of them. Um, yeah. Like many of these guys will say, look, you're, you might get a week on Paddy's week exactly. where they're inside for the week. Um, and that happens and that's, that, that's fine. That, that'll be an adjustment. But they, they work off the, the budget as well, George. They work on, on that um, uh, spring rotation plan and have the budget going at the same time just to see where they are and whether they need to pull the handbrake up or not. Oftentimes yeah. on the heavier farms, you won't get through the first rotation. You're into yeah. the second rotation and there's paddocks cut off. Um, because a couple because of grades then they get, get mowed out yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very yeah. good. So look, things sound, sound like you're kind of a week ahead of yourselves down in Kerry in terms of grazing, which is great. Yeah. And I think I, me, my principle is always smash and grab. If you have it, you just use it. And look, you can worry about the a wet week <laughs> after. You can always bring them in if you have to. But stuff is grazed, is coming back. Yeah, it, it is, George. And look, um, what, what some of the lads will say is, look, they've gotten a huge response this year to the slurry that was applied in late January, early February, and the 20 units of nitrogen that went on in early February. Um, they, yeah. We're close to getting, with the grass group yesterday, we're close to getting double-digit growths in the group, yeah. um, which normally we wouldn't see until after Paddy's Day. So, look, that yeah. that's fantastic. But soil temperature has been the key driver of that, George. Yeah. Um, like we had... We have a soil temperature for February here, two and a half degrees above normal, which is more like an April soil temperature than it has been a February one. That's fantastic. Great, great to hear. Everyone deserves a break. Tell us then about breeding and what the plans are. That's the, the other thing I want to talk to you about, Dennis. Yeah, so look, um, we were talking off air, George. Um, mm. Look, I, I would have a good share of guys who would be who I would consider early innovators, and they've been doing sex semen with a number of years. Um, but but I'm finding that there's even more than the early innovators doing it now at this stage, George. Um, yeah. Look, they're they're skewing the figures in their favour because they're doing a pre-scan on the herd of cows. Um, they might have 60 cows that they want to breed to dairy. 
Um, and there might be 10, 15 of those that the vet is saying to them, look, uh, they're not for sex semen or whatever. So they're yeah. getting very, very good results with the sex semen. Um, okay. like, like we were saying off air, with like the, the, there's three very active AI companies in our area. Um, they're all uh, have good selection available, whereas maybe four or five years ago, you might have had a, a limit on maybe 0.14 protein bulls. Now you have the 0.22 bulls, the 0.24 bulls are all sexed as well. So yeah. look, that that's a big help in terms of what the, the customer is demanding and um, what farmers are using. And what about the beef side of the house then? Is there much is there a trends are the trends coming in, in beef AI as well or beef breeding? Yeah. Yeah, so look what 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 I'm seeing with guys, George, and even even more so with the last two years is uh there's a lot of guys looking at the herd of cows, they're they're starting to get a stable herd. Um yeah. and they're saying, Look, there's there's uh, I can get the heifers that I want with sex semen off of the best fifty percent of the herd. There's cows there that are gonna come in early um in, in the breeding season. Um, and they're deciding, look, that they're uh, they're a generation behind the, the other cows in the herd. So yeah. why 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 breed them to dairy? They're breeding them to beef. Um, they're using high DBI bulls, um, and they're they're very happy with the results. Now, look, they they just need to be a little bit careful in terms of uh, you can go you can go a little bit far with the thing as well. But um, yeah, yeah. calving ease. A uh, good beef value bull, uh, short gestation, like you were saying yourself, yeah. they are all the important key ones to it, George. And the big thing for for dairy farmers, remember, look, the vast majority of our money comes from the dairy cow. So we want yeah. a cow fit and in the parlour. We want long gest gestation or long, not gestation, long days in milk, um, yeah, actually, and actually, and short yes. and short gestation. Um, and uh, high fats and proteins. That that's what guys are breeding for, um, and they're doing a fantastic job in terms of it, achieving that. Dennis, just I want to bring you back to one. It sounds well before we finish that. It sounds like you're a, you're an advocate at this stage of judicious use of sex semen as a kind of a game changer for the for your farmers. That that be right? It is, but it, look, it's to follow the rules around the charge. So guys yeah. are following the protocols. They're they're having re, they're having quite good results. Now there are there are one or two that you hear that 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 don't, and when you actually go investigating it, there's maybe there's maybe Easy. something missing in in the in the protocol, something missing in the steps, um, and that's where the fall down is. It's not it's not the sex semen piece. Um, yes, there there will there ninety percent sex semen, so there will be there will be a bull calf in 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 the mix here yep. and there as well. Um, but guys guys that are doing it and guys that have a number of years under their belt are very very happy with it, George. From yeah. what I hear, anyway. Very good, great. We'll leave it at that that piece yeah. of that. The last thing I wanted to cover with you, Dennis, is a bit about silage. So you have some interesting comments about silage. So first of all, there's loads of silage around. That's the first thing. Because I'll say those. Well. There, there, there is plenty though, George. We, we did not suffer the same as other areas. Now, uh, I have one or two farmers who will shoot me for saying that because yeah, yeah. Um, their their farms did suffer um, and just yeah. because of, of, of the nature of what their farms are. But now, you're uh, suffering it from the dry last summer, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, there was some silage fed on those farms to carry to build covers in the autumn, we'll say, and there was some silage fed on those farms to, to, uh, to cover cover um uh, uh shortage of grass at that time but not to the same extent as was in other yeah. parts of the country so there is a good bank of silage in in an awful lot of yards around here so what guys are looking at is they're looking at doing um uh, multi-cut systems to maybe uh, get better quality silage 
Okay. Um, and there are some, there's some red clover gone into outside blocks um, down here as well last year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that works. There's a bit of nervousness about that, George, in terms of will we get the two dry days together in the lead up to cutting when we cut that so that it wills properly. Uh, so we get the preservation right. Um, and we had a very wet back end uh, down here last year, so September, October, November were very, very wet, and some of what was planned to be cut at the end of September didn't get cut. Uh, some guys got back out and grazed that with young stock in uh, the month of December when we had the frost, um, and that does look to have recovered reasonably well. Uh, now, given given the the warm style temperatures we've had in February, have probably helped that ground uh, to recover, but it, 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 there will be some concerns around the charge, yeah. Yeah, cool. But it's, look, it's, it's a wait and see in terms of what happens um, in the coming months and years on the red clover. I, I see huge potential for it of our country anyway as well. Dennis, a uh, question in there. Uh, do you see a role for contract breeding of replacement heifers? In other words, maybe someone has a low enough kind of merit herd, gen- genetic merit herd, puts everything to beef, and then someone else maybe with better herd putting the, maybe using sex a bit yeah, more widely in the herd. Uh, I would be an advocate of it because uh, I, I, I would have guys who have, um, will say it's like if you put a straw into a cow today, right? Um, mm. You have a calf next spring, or well, not today, but ne- uh, in, in, in yeah, May. No. Yeah. You, you have a calf next spring, uh, you have a bulling heifer uh, 12 months later, you have a calved heifer the year after, you um, probably two years before she's influencing the tank very much so you're 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 kind of a five-year process um Mm. so it's very hard to breed up low uh production cows right um so there are plenty of really good herds out there who have excellent genetics they've been doing this with 20 30 40 years um and you're always going to be a generation or two behind them if you have low genetic merit cows um so i think there is a role for it george um it is a slow one to take off because um, guys like their own to breed their own heifers. They yeah. like their own stock. There is big, there are big fears in terms of um, bringing in disease. Um, so I, I would say have a good conversation with the vet in terms of, of, of what protocols to follow if you are going that route. route. Yeah. Um, but it, it, like there are a few guys down here who have done it. Even my, my colleague Nora there had, had one guy who, who did it. Um, he, he, first three years he was feeling, Jesus, are these better than 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 what what they are at all? And in the last two years, his performance has just gone uh, straight up, George. Like it's gone, he's jumped yeah. 30, 40 kilos. Um, and it's because the daughters of these animals are now coming through as well. Um, yeah. so he he's he's delighted with it. Um, and it, I know that time when 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 Nora was trying to to sell it to him, it was a hard hard sell to, to 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 buy into it. But look, um it, it I think it has a role, yeah. Come on. Thanks, Dennis. Listen, um ladies and gentlemen, I I'll um I'm gonna to, going to call it quits here now uh, at that. We're gonna thank uh, Dennis uh, Brazil from the Tralee office there for for joining us the Tralee Chagas office for joining us this morning to discuss the the kind of Kerry take on spring twenty twenty three. Thanks very much Dennis and look we'll we'll talk to you sometime in the future again. So, thanks, you. George. Take care. Bye. We're back again next week, guys, with uh, and girls. We're back again next week with Don Crowley to uh, talk about uh, keeping it under a hundred thousand in the spring of twenty twenty three. God bless now and safe and safe farming.
That's all for this week's bonus episode from the Let's Talk Dairy webinar series and don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with the usual Dairy Edge podcast on Monday so do listen in then. I'm Stuart Childs and thanks for listening.